take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the letter of 1 John. 1 John, it's almost all the way to the back of your Bible, before Jude and Revelation. The letter of 1 John, we're going to be in chapter 2 this morning. Ask around, and uh, most people have heard of the Ten Commandments. Would you agree with that? That most people have heard of the Ten Commandments. If you were to ask around, people, people would say, oh yeah, I know the Ten Commandments. And then if you were to ask them to uh, recite them for you, they would, they would get a few probably. But, but even if many can't name all of the Ten Commandments, they've heard of them. And there's disagreement over whether the Ten Commandments can be or should be displayed in, in public places like schools or courtrooms. And about those Ten Commandments, many Christians are very, very serious about the need for society to behave according to the Ten Commandments. If society that we lived in would just shape their lives according to the Ten Commandments, we, we reason this world would be a better place if everyone were to obey the Ten Commandments. Do you take God's commands seriously? Do you take God's commands seriously? I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope you take God's word very seriously. I hope you take seriously when we open our Bibles together. We look at what God has for us and we look at what God says here. I hope you take God's word very seriously. The fact that you're here today is a good sign. I always think that it's a good sign when... When you know we're going to come to this point in the service where this ugly dude gets up in front of you and says, open your Bibles and go with me and we talk about what God's Word says in the Scriptures. It's a good sign that you're still here, that you must think that there's something good in God's Word for you here. The Bible is, in fact, the way that God speaks to us. It is the way that God has chosen to speak to us. You might have thought at times, I wish God would speak to me. I wish God would just make it clear what he wants me to do. And I've probably been guilty of that too. We've probably all been guilty of that at one time. But you know what? God has spoken to us. He is speaking to us. He is speaking to us from the pages of Scripture. He is speaking to us from our Bibles. And you can hear him speak to you if you will read the Word of God, if you will take God's commands seriously. So if I told you that there is a commandment from God in the Bible that, that were you to obey it, it would make the Ten Commandments unnecessary. <laughs> would you be interested in knowing what that commandment is? Would you inter- you'd be interested in knowing where I'm find, finding things like this in the Bible? Wouldn't it be interesting to know that if there's one command I keep, it would make a strict adherence to those Ten Commandments unnecessary? Now, before you call me a heretic and throw me out of here, <laughs> listen carefully. I'll show you. It's a commandment that John speaks of here in 1 John chapter 2. And I want you to go with me to verses 7 and 8 this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. I'll show you. It's a commandment John is speaking of here. Follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. 
verses 7 and 8 in 1 John chapter 2. Beloved, he's speaking to believers. Now you know why I say beloved all the time, because the Bible says it all the time about believers. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, last week we looked at verses 3 through 6 and we were encouraged that we can know that we are a child of God, we can be confident, we can be assured that we are a child of God, that we are truly saved through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be confident, there's evidence, there should be evidence in our lives that assures us that we are children of God if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Assurance of salvation is, is one of the results of walking in the light. We've talked about this, walking in the light, that's walking with Christ, walking in the truth. Believing in Jesus Christ and in Him alone for salvation and forgiveness of sins and then walking in obedience to God's Word. That's walking in the light. Another result of of believing in Jesus and walking in the light is that we learn how to love. We learn how to love. We'll see that in the passage today. It's what John's talking about here in these two verses. Reading a passage like this, now it might bring up some questions. Like, and if you weren't paying attention, you may not have these questions, but if you, just, if you followed along with me, it might, you might have looked and gone, what in the world? Like, what is the old commandment that John talks about? What's the old commandment that he speaks of in verse 8? And how can it be an old commandment and a new commandment at the same time? And how is darkness passing away? And who is this true light John speaks of? And how is the light already shining? Those are the questions that you came up with, right? Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Uh, In my twisted brain, as I look at this passage, those are the kinds of questions I think are begging to be answered here. And these are the kinds of questions that if we answer them, they will give us great help. Great help in, in following God's word, in obeying God's word. These will be very helpful in showing us this important command that John is speaking of from the Bible, that if obeyed, will make a strict adherence. Like if you were just to take the Ten Commandments and say, I'm just going to strictly obey these. If you were to take this one commandment and follow it and obey it and learn it, and these questions that I present to you this morning will help us understand this, It would make a strict adherence to to just strictly obeying the Ten Commandments unnecessary. Again, before you call me a heretic, keep listening. (laughs) Look at verse 7 again. John says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. So here's the first question. What's the old commandment? What's the old commandment? What is this old commandment that they had from the beginning? What's the commandment that is the word that they have heard? Well, John actually speaks of it in 2 John. 
You want to turn there? Turn over a few pages to 2 John verse 5. In 2 John verse 5, he writes this. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment. Oh, there it is again. But the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. He speaks of it later back in 1 John. You want to go back to 1 John? 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. 1 John 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. What's this old commandment? Have you got it yet? It's, it's love one another, isn't it? It's love one another. And we can see that's what he's got in mind there in chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where he speaks of loving your brother or loving one another. Now, where did that come from? What's he pointing to? It's the command that we find in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 19 and verse 18, I won't make you turn there, just listen to Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's like saying, listen up, I am the Lord. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So John says, Get ready, this isn't a new commandment. This isn't new. You've heard this before. This is an old commandment. You've heard this from the beginning, in fact. It's that you are to love one another. But wait a minute. What's he talking about in verse 8 when he says, at the same time, it's, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you? Well, now you've got me confused. So John, you mean this is different? No, it's no new commandment. It's like we're going in circles here, aren't we? But at the same time, it is a new commandment. So what's going on here, John? This is confusing. What makes this commandment new? And here's the challenge. We need to understand the meaning of the word new. And you're like, well, no, wait, wait. New means new. Well, if you, go, if you go back to the Greek here and you look at the, the word that, that John uses that we translate as new, here in the Greek, the word used for new means new in quality, not new in time. New in quality. In the Greek, it has to do with replacing something that's worn out. John is saying that it's not that you've never heard this before. It's not a new commandment, as Warren Wearsby notes. It is new in emphasis. It is not simply one of the commandments. No, it stands at the top of the list. So, 
what's this new commandment? That's an old commandment that now is placed ahead of all the others. Go with me for a moment to the Gospel of John. Now we're, now we're talking about the Gospel of John early in the New Testament. John chapter 13. We know what the new commandment is because Jesus himself calls it a new commandment. In John chapter 13, look at verses 34 and 35. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But he doesn't stop there. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And we have a new motive for loving one another Verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's in the teaching of Jesus that we see why this is an old commandment made new. New emphasis, new importance. It's new because now there's an example There's an example to follow where there had not been one before. Love one another has been made new with an example to follow. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34. Again, Jesus says, love one another, and here's the example, just as I have loved you. This is an old commandment made new because now we have an example to follow. And did you hear me say that there was a new motive? There's a new example and a new motive. The example we have is Jesus Christ, and the motive is so that the world will know. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the world will know we have Jesus, and we have been saved by the blood of Jesus shed for sinners so that they will know and believe. This is an old commandment made new because now we have this example and this new motive. And Jesus says it again. Turn the page a couple of pages. John chapter 15. Look at John chapter 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment. John chapter 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Are we all being impressed with the importance of this? This this repetition? It's necessary, I think, unfortunately. But we do need this repetition. And it's a good thing the Bible is repetitive. It's a good thing. I was thinking of this in our Sunday school hour this morning. We were just wrapping up a study in the book of Romans. And at the end of the book of Romans, after all of the teaching in Romans, it comes down to this, this idea. Love one another for God's glory. Don't be divided in the church. At the end of Romans, it's talking about not being divided, not being led astray by false teachers. And the whole point is you're to love each other Get along with each other for the sake of God's glory. And yes, it will be good good for you too. But being good for you is not the purpose. The purpose is so that God will be glorified in the world in which we live. And God is gracious to bless us as we bless one another and live in love, as we learn how to love like Jesus. 
This is my commandment, says Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the commandment to love is old. It was always part of God's Word. But it's also new based on this new example and this new motive in Jesus Christ. We're to love one another just as Jesus loved us and because Jesus loves us. Because Jesus loves us, we ought to want the world to know. We're to love one another just as Jesus loves us. What kind of love are we talking about here? Here's another question. What does the word love mean? What's the definition of love? Here's another one. If you were to ask your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, what kinds of answers will you get if you say, define love for me? You'll get all kinds of answers. Someone says, love is when you do nice things for someone else. Or, love is giving nice things to your children, says a parent or, or a child. Show me you love me. Give me nice things. Love is something, someone might say, you feel about someone else. Warm and fuzzy feelings, that's love, says someone, says the young couple. Some would say love is, well, it's not really an action, it's a feeling. It's something you feel. Love is a feeling. Is love just a feeling? Some would say love is is something you can fall into and, sadly, out of. Is that what love is? And those are likely not all the answers that you'd get if you start asking around and ask enough people. You'll get more answers. Those are, those are the kinds of answers that you would hear. But one definition that's missing, and the one you won't often hear, is the one found in the Bible. And we ought to be concerned with the one found in the Bible. You will likely not hear what Jesus had in mind when he said in John chapter 13 and verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So did Jesus mean here that we're to feel warm and fuzzy feelings toward each other. Is that how Jesus loves us? I am thankful that Jesus doesn't just have warm and fuzzy feelings for me. Have you ever thought about that? His love goes a lot further than just feeling something. Did Jesus mean that we're to simply do nice things for each other? Well, again, I'm thankful that Jesus didn't just do something nice. He did something far greater than that. What do we know from the Bible about how Jesus loved? Well, we know that Jesus put a very high priority on love when he said in Matthew chapter 22, just listen as I read, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. 
Hear this. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's interesting the Bible doesn't have to tell us how to love ourselves. We already know how to do that pretty well, don't we? But like you love yourself, you're to love other people. This is what we're supposed to be all about. Get this. This is what we're supposed to be all about as a church. Do you realize that? That as as believers in Jesus Christ who gave His all, who didn't just feel warm and fuzzy about us, but gave His all for us on the cross, the sinless Savior dying in our place, we're to, we're to be all about this, giving heart, soul, mind, and strength, our love to God. And that brings us to the point that we love other people. That's what we're supposed to be all about as followers of Jesus Christ. If you say, I believe in Jesus for the salvation of my soul, for the forgiveness of my sins, I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. If you say that, you're to be all about loving God and loving people. This is what we're to be all about as a church. Love God. Love others. Love one another. How? Love like Jesus. The message and the theme of Christianity is really summed up in that simple statement. Love one another. So what kind of love are we talking about here? It is not the Greek word for the kind of love, the Greek word philea, philea, which is a a friendship kind of love. It's not that kind of love. It's not a friendship. Friendship is okay. It's good. But it's not that kind of love that we're talking about. It's not the Greek word for the sensual love, eros, which, in fact, is not even used in the New Testament. The Greek word for love used here Many of you probably know what I'm talking about. The Greek word for the, for the word love used here is agape love. Agape, which is the kind of love that God has for mankind and for his church. It's the kind of love Christians are to have for one another as they learn to love like Jesus. This is important. This is very important. In fact, this is important for the sake of the body of Christ in Mount Pleasant, Michigan at First Baptist Church as we serve together to proclaim the name of Jesus in the world and the culture in which we live. This is important that we get this right. Why? Because this is how the world will know that we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have Jesus changing us when we love each other. This, this applies to every area of ministry in a church and every ministry that we're involved with. This applies to every person who calls First Baptist Church home. This applies to every family in this fellowship. This applies to everything that we do together as a church and everything that we long to be and do as a church. This is really important. So the kind of love that we're to have for one another is agape love. And if... We are to love as Jesus loves us. We need to think about what the Bible says about this. What do we know from the Bible about this agape love that Jesus has for us? 
I want you to keep going with me in the scriptures here because this is so good. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. First, Romans 5 and verse 8 tells us that Jesus wasn't waiting for us to clean up our act before he loved us. This is how we learn to love like Jesus. Look at how he agape loved. Was Jesus waiting for us to get our act together and shape up? He was not. By his mercy, he was not. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us. Do not miss that word, shows. Why do we need to be shown? Because we need to learn to love like Jesus for one reason. And this is how we're impressed with the love of God for us. But God shows his love for us in that important statement coming while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Was Jesus waiting to go to the cross until we straightened up our act and got things right? Absolutely not. So Jesus' love for us is demonstrated by the fact that he loved us in spite of the fact that we were still sinners. Jesus' death was some 2,000 years ago. And for mankind, God looked into the future and said, sinners, 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 sinners. Look at all these sinners that are coming and will live on planet Earth and will sin and will not deserve my love and will be separated from me because sin separates us from fellowship with God. And sin condemns us to an eternal judgment separated from God. Eternal punishment, says God's word. It's what we deserve. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ went to the cross to take the punishment that we deserve. The sinless Savior. Jesus lived on this earth over 30 years and did not sin. And so he's able to take the wrath, the just wrath of God on himself for our sins. So that we can look to Jesus and believe in him and be saved and forgiven. Christ died for us. So Jesus' love for us is demonstrated by the fact that he loved us in spite of the fact that we were still sinners. You're looking into the future saying, they're going to be sinners, I'm going to go to the cross for them. They need a Savior, I'm going to be that Savior. If they'll put their faith and trust in me, I'll save them, I'll forgive them, I'll cleanse them, I'll make them new. And his love goes even further than that. That's incredible, but this is even more incredible. Secondly, we learn from the Bible that that while we were his, and many of us know this, but we need to be reminded and encouraged, and we need to rejoice in this, that, that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. For those who would come after Jesus' death, looking down the road into the future, these are people who are going to hate me and despise me. They're going to be my enemies, but I'm going to die for them anyway. We weren't merely sinners. That's bad enough. We weren't just sinners disobeying and doing lawless deeds. We were his enemies. And in spite of that, he loved us and loves us. 
Look at verse 10, Romans 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. So what does the Bible teach us about how we're supposed to love one another? We're to love others in the same way Jesus loves us. People who have offended Him and sinned against Him and are actually His enemies. He loves us anyway. That's instructive. And that might be a problem for us. When we think about that, we think, now that's a sticky situation. This is going to be challenging. In our way of thinking, there are people that we know that do not deserve our love. No nudging here. Uh, And we can think of people. We can all think of people that, I, boy, it's going to be really hard for me to love them. They don't deserve my love. They haven't done anything to show that they're deserving of my love. But to love as Jesus loves means to love people who don't deserve your love. In fact, God's Word says it doesn't matter whether they deserve your love or not. Love like Jesus. Learn to love like Jesus. So your children don't need to earn your love by performing acts of obedience. Be careful, children. God's Word commands that you obey your parents here. I just want to you know, add that. Preacher said, I don't have to obey for you to love me. Be careful, spouses, that you don't demand a certain kind of performance from your spouse before you will love them as Christ loved you. Be careful, neighbors and co-workers and, and people who have people in your lives who just drive you crazy. Who doesn't have somebody in their life that just drives them crazy? I mean, we all have people like that, right? That we can think of that, boy, I don't know, this is going to be hard. It sounds hard. And it is hard. But, for the believer in Jesus Christ, who is walking in the light, remember 1 John 1.7? Go back and look at it. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that great? You do not have in and of yourself what you need to love like Jesus. But if you're walking in the light, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, If your life is founded on the Word of God and you're seeking to obey God's Word, God will give you what you need to look at that person who in your flesh you say does not deserve my love and to love them in spite of themselves. Living in obedience to God's Word, walking in the light, that's what brings the help that we desperately need. God blesses by helping us as we take steps of obedience. 
Now go back to 1 John chapter 2 and look at verse 8 again. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It's possible for you to love people whom you think don't deserve your love because if you're walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, darkness is passing away. In other words, you stop doing things the way that the world does them, separated from the truth of God's word, and you start doing them in sync, in step with the heart of God. The light is dawning and the darkness is passing away as you fix your mind on the truths of God's word. As you listen to God speak to you from his word and you take steps to obey him, the light dawns, the light comes on, and you begin to live in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ with his strength at work in you, with the wisdom of God enabling you to look at that person who you say, I don't think they deserve my love, but it's okay because... God loves me through the Lord Jesus Christ in spite of me. And so I'm going to learn to love like Jesus. What is the true light? Jesus is the light. In Him is no darkness at all, remember? And if we're walking in the light, we have Jesus living in us to help us to love one another just as Jesus loves us. You have the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are God's child through faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And when you take the word of God and you seek to honor God by your obedience, he gives you wisdom along the way. He gives you wisdom one day at a time. As you take, even if it's little steps of obedience, because God honors our obedience. He doesn't save us because of our obedience. He he saves us because He took the penalty for our sin. But now He calls us to walk in the light. He calls us to walk in the truth of the Scriptures that He has given us with the power of Christ in us, enabling us. Remember this. When it's hard to love the person that you just can't seem to love, when you find that difficult, remember what Jesus has done for you. And remember that if you will take a step of obedience, He will enable you to love that person who is so hard to love. If you're a believer in and a follower of Jesus who's learning to love others just as Jesus loves you, then you need not be concerned with whether you're keeping the Ten Commandments. You know why? Because your love, your love for God and your love for people will compel you to have no God other than the one true God. Your love for God and your love for people will compel you to put God's will ahead of your own. You will have no one or thing in the place of God in your life when you learn to love like Jesus. 
Your love following the example of Jesus will compel you to honor your father and your mother and you will love your brother and your sister and your neighbor and you will not hate, you will not commit adultery, you will not steal, you will not lie and you will not covet what others have because you love God with everything you have and you love people. So remember John 15, 12. Got a pen in your hand? Note it. I would encourage you. In fact, you would be well served to commit this passage to memory. Even, even write it down on something this week and look at it throughout your day, each day this week. Jesus gives you this new commandment in John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That you love one another as I have loved you, John fifteen twelve. Beloved, when you walk in the light, when you walk in obedience to God's word, when you live following the example of Jesus, you will be living with the true light of Christ shining into your heart and out of and through your life. To others, the world will see there's something different about you going on. They'll be curious about what that is and you will have opportunities to tell people about your Savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ, with His Word at work in you, will enable you, will empower you, will equip you to love others as Jesus loves you.